0: Hey everyone and welcome back to the Commander Clash Podcast where the Commander Clash crew, me, Seth, Richard, and Krim are here to discuss Commander related topics and this week we have a very spicy one. Wizards of the Coast has given us a full pre-constructed deck from Adventures of the Forgotten Realms, a full Commander pre-constructed deck for us to showcase to the world. So we're super excited to show you a bunch of brand new cards. Some of them are going to be actually exclusive to this pre-constructed deck. So before we jump into the pre-constructed deck and analyze it and show you all the details about it, let's first uh, talk about where you can buy these cards. And uh, Seth, where, where could you buy all these sweet new cards that are coming out real soon?
1: Ooh, you can always get them from our sponsor, Card Kingdom, by heading over to cardkingdom.com slash MTG Goldfish. You can even get a sweet MTG Goldfish sticker if you ask them in your order notes. So cardkingdom.com slash MTG Goldfish.
0: And again, thank you so much, Wizards of the Coast, for this pre-constructed deck. And now let us dive into the juicy bits. So let us start first with what this deck is all about. This is Planar Portal, which is a Rakdos pre-constructed deck. It is red and black. And it basically lets you take the role of an arch enemy at the table, the big bad evil guy in D&D terms. And you're utilizing the dark powers found in Dungeons & Dragons, such as devils and beholders, to use your opponent's own decks against them. Uh, There's a couple main themes going on in this deck. The first one is all about exiling cards. There are a ton of cards in this deck that care about exiling cards, either to steal your opponent's creatures exiling them, or exiling the top cards of their library, or exiling some cards off the top of your own library to cast them. And the other main themes of this deck um, are stealing your opponent's stuff. There are a lot of cards here, 11 cards here, that are all about stealing your opponent's cards and using those cards against them and then finally there's a theme about creating tokens and sacrificing them for value and there's about 10 cards of those and for people who really enjoy dice rolling i know if you're if you're big on Dungeons and dragons you roll a lot of dice in that game and that's part of the fun there are six new cards in this pre-constructed deck that care about rolling dice so like d10s d20s uh, so if you're a fan of the randomness that dice provides, then you're going to enjoy this precon. Now that we have like the deck, the deck's main goals out of the way, let's start looking at the cards that are featured in this deck. And we're going to start with the face commander of this preconstructed deck, which kind of manifests and showcases what this deck is all about. This is Prosper Tomebound, and Seth, let's kick it off with you. Let's let's hear about what Prosper's all about.
1: Ooh, so Prosper Tomebound, the face commander, is four mana. Two generic, a black, and a red. You get a legendary Typhling Warlock creature. It's a one-four... It has Death Touch. It has an ability called Mystic Arcanum, which says at the beginning of your end step, exile the top card of your library until the end of your next turn. You can play that card. And it has another ability called Pact Boon, which whenever you play a card from exile, you create a treasure token. Tomer, you're the D&D expert here. Uh, Mystic Arcanum. Pact. Tiefling. Tiefling.
2: Tiefling. Tiefling. It's whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, then okay. Dungeon Day if, if it's T playing then Dungeons and Dragons should have different letters in their in their creature types. T-fling, because T I E does not tomato. say T. <laughs> but would you like me to would you like me to start over and say it the opposite way? <laughs> no,
0: it's perfect. I loved
1: it. <laughs> we even went over this before the cast. I guess I was not like <laughs> we, was not, just not really, not paying uh, we don't want to film these Dungeons and Dragons players. We better pronounce all this correctly. Look, we just use
0: Seth to pronounce all of them so we don't know how to say it
1: I'll so I'll take I'll, I'll take the heat I'll yeah, take the heat you're the shield but Tomer I got a question for you I've never seen words like mystic arcanum or pact boon on magic cards what are what are these weird ability words so these are actually
0: callbacks to dungeons and dragons these new mechanics are not not in the traditional sense as like uh, evergreen keywords that we've had, we've seen in Magic: The Gathering before, like Trample or Flying. These are what Wizards of the Coast is referring to as flavor words. They don't really need to be there, but they're there mostly to evoke the flavor of the mechanics, the flavor of what this card is all about. And these two uh, flavor words, Mystic Arcanum and Pack Boon, are two things that are uh, classic abilities. That you would find in Dungeons and Dragons on the Warlock class. So Prosper Tonebound ooh, ooh, ooh. is a Tiefling or Tiefling. Let us know in the comment section below what, what which <laughs> one that one is. It's a Tiefling uh, Warlock, and so the Tiefling is its race, and Warlock is its class. And all Warlocks get those two abilities: Mystic Arcanum and Pact Boon. So that that's me ooh. nerding out about about the lore. It, but what, what 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 do
1: you I, think about these abilities? <laughs> I I gotta say in the magic world, these abilities are actually really sweet. I love commanders that generate card advantage and Prosper, it's a commander that the turn that you play it, you get to start generating card advantage by exiling on top card. You even get a whole extra turn to play it. And if you play that card, you're getting a treasure. So not only is it generating card advantage, it's also ramping. And if you were gonna pick the two most important things for any commander deck to do, it would be drawing cards and ramping. Those are literally the best things you can do in the entire format. And Prosper does both of those all in one card in your command zone. So you're going to have access to it every single game, multiple times a game if it dies.
0: Yeah, I, I, this card looks sweet. And also one really notable thing about this ability, the boon ability, uh, this is one of the first times or perhaps the first time ever that we've seen a card uh give you a reward for playing a card from exile not just from its own ability but from any ability and we're going to see in this deck uh exiling and casting spells from exile or playing cards from exile is a common thing it's something that's heavily supported so when Prosper's on the battlefield you're going to be generating a ton of tokens not just from its own ability but from a lot of the other cards in this deck
1: Yeah, it synergizes very well with a ton of cards. There's so many Exile, and you can cast these cards' effects. And the treasure tokens let you really snowball that effect, which I think is really powerful. It's almost like this little ritual that's attached to all the spells you're casting from Exile. And thanks to Tectonic Giants and Fiend of Shadows and, like, 20 different cards in this deck, you're always going to have something to cast from Exile to make those treasures and hopefully keep snowballing that advantage.
3: So Seth mentioned it, right? But the deck is all about exiling right so prosper is uh its own engine over there but there's like dark dweller oracle there's Gonty, there's tectonic giant um light up the stage uh commune with lava like all of these cards are in the pre-con for you to draw cards or uh, to uh yeah draw cards off with prosper and then there's also like a lot of mechanics from magic's history also work um With Prosper, things like uh, Impulse Draw, like light up the stage, stuff like that. Uh, We have Suspend Cards, Rebound, Cascade, Foretell, Adventures. All of these mechanics cause you to cast spells from Exile. So uh, you get to uh, synergize with your commander if you have any of those existing cards.
0: Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of upgrade potential of Prosper. Like, not only does this deck have... It has 27 cards that Exile, and most of those let you play those cards afterwards from Exile. But then, just in general, Black and Red have a ton of cards outside of this pre-con that you can easily slot in to really get the maximum value, the treasure value, out of this card. So definitely definitely a card to consider uh, building around or upgrading this deck further with more of these Exile Matters uh, payoff cards all right moving on this was the face of the commander but we have another uh, lieutenant i don't know what the name of this this would be like a secondary general. card general uh yeah it's another commander also rakdos can also easily be uh the leader of this deck as well and this really feels like a crim card so crim uh tell us about this uh,
2: we have Karazakar with the Eye Tyrant, which is three in Arakdos. Whenever you attack a player, tap target creature that, control, that player controls and goad it. And then whenever an opponent attacks another one of your opponents, you and the attacking player each draw a card and lose a life. Now, this seems pretty sweet. I love that second part. And mo- more importantly, this beholder type. I think, is something uh, from d and I've seen a lot of this everywhere. I thought it was from Doom, but I think this is like... I, I <laughs> uh, this thing, these eye creatures look so cool. So I I, I don't know anything about d and I know how like some of the words are pronounced. Not all of them. But I know the beholders. These things are sweet. And, of course, the magic side of it, where this card... I mean, I love goading. And on top of that, I love uh, polit- politicking and ha- benefiting off of it, actually. You'll get to draw cards. You both lose a life. It's great.
0: Yeah, I like I like both of these things. And I guess as a D&D lore nerd of the group, I will also say beholders are definitely from Dungeons and Dragons. They're one of the most iconic uh monsters in in that system in that game system, and they're basically like these magical aberrations that are incredibly powerful, super intelligent, but they're also all insane, super insane, and they're incredibly paranoid, and they're actually at least from what I remember the way they're birthed is they're actually the nightmares of another beholder made manifest. So that's how they <laughs> that's how they, they reproduce, which is just hilarious to me. And apparently, Karazakar is a a notable character in the Forgotten Realms uh, world. I don't know too much about this beholder in particular, but I do know they are very sweet, uh, very sweet and powerful monsters in Dungeons and Dragons. And both these abilities look incredible to me.
1: I I also wanted to add real quick, don't sleep on that last ability. If there's one thing I learned about Commander players, it's they will go out of their way to draw a card if they can. Set. So even yes, though we'll that ability out. might not look like much, it actually is going to do a pretty good job of incentivizing your opponents to not attack you and to attack each other so they can draw that extra card. So even though there's not a ton of like goading spells in this deck, I think even as a standalone card, it's going to do a lot of work in this uh, in this deck. Yeah, you don't even this need to go This really
3: good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you will draw three cards per turn cycle, right? Like, everyone will want their card. You will get... You, like, i am be concerned about losing too much life from this. You lose one life every <laughs> time you draw a card. <laughs> People are going to go ham killing each other. Uh, you don't need to go. You have a 5-5 five, five if they want to try to attack into you. Like, it's pretty good. Uh, the only thing is, shouldn't this... Fly? Doesn't the eyeball fly? I'm confused.
0: It levitates, yes.
1: I, um. I think they're called tieflings, so you do not want to ask me about the lore of D and D. It looks like it should uh, fly, but it does not fly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it
3: should fly, right?
0: I, I, I definitely think so, get that vibe, but I guess I also, not. I would also say I wouldn't sleep on the first ability either. Like, basically, this is a great way for you to clear out blockers. And get some lethal damage through, right? Whenever you attack a player, you tap target creature that player controls. So if they have a blocker up, uh, suddenly they're tapped down and they can't do anything about it. Even better is now that you've goaded it, not only are you guaranteeing they're going to have to attack, probably in a way that they don't want to be attacking, if, you, if you're like tapping down like a 2-2 utility creature, like an Oracle Moldiah or something like that, they don't want to attack with that that Oracle Moldiah, but you might be sending them into a potential blocker to die as well. You're causing indirect damage to your opponents. And also, when you're goading them, they're going to be attacking, and they're going to be tapped down again, so that means you can attack them again. So I think both these abilities are incredibly powerful. They don't look too strong at first glance, but as someone who loves these type of cards, like Brina, like Edric, like all these all these stuff, uh, these two abilities are going to be low-key incredible. So I'm really excited for this
1: one as well. I have one other quick question for you guys before we move on. Let's say I buy this pre-con. How wise would it be for me to just Switch my commander and play this as my main main commander. Like, is it synergistic enough with the rest of the deck that my deck is still going to function and like be powerful if I if I drop Prosper and play this instead as my commander?
0: I think yes. yes. I- i I think think, that might be the play (laughs) yeah i think like i I really like prosper and i would be happy to run prosper as a commander as well uh and obviously prosper has synergies with all these exile matters cards or exile cards uh that karazakar doesn't but you're gonna be drawing so many cards with karazakar you're gonna be goading so much that like it doesn't matter like yes there's gonna be a little bit less synergy i think uh, if Karazakar is on on the command zone instead of uh, instead of the ninety nine, but it more than makes up for it with that inherent power that it comes with. I think. Yeah, totally. I, I think I would I would swap it out. I mean, I you, like you this will, a lot more though. Yeah, you will most mm.
3: likely draw more cards with the Beholder than with your with Prosper, uh, because the the deck, even though there are synergies, it's more of a good stuff deck. Like you're just getting like little bonuses on top of something. Uh, Like, you get to draw an additional card when you do your impulse draw, or you're getting a treasure token. It's not a make-or-break thing, so you could swap your commanders around.
0: I like Prosper more, just because it's more unique, but, like, they're both really sweet.
1: (laughs) I I like Prosper more, too, but I think it is really cool that if you pick up the deck, you kind of have two decks, and they'll play a little bit differently just by, like, switching those two cards where they are, so... Something to keep in mind if you do pick it up—a little, you won't get bored with it. It'll give you another option to uh, to play it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely really seamless to swap it out and still have a really cohesive deck. All right, we have one more legendary to talk about—a brand new card in this preconstructed deck. Uh, but this is not Rakdos. This is Mono-Black. It's Lorcan War- Warlock Collector. Richard, tell us about it.
3: Alright, we have Lorcan, Warlock, Collector, 5 black, black, so 7 mana value, Legendary Creature Devil, it's a 6-6 six, six with flying, whenever a creature card is put in an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, you may pay life equal to its mana value, if you do, put it onto the battlefield under your control, it's a Warlock in addition to its other types, and if a Warlock you control would die, exile it instead. So, steal your opponent's creatures on their way to the Graveyard by paying life. And good news is you are in Rakdos. The deck is full of ways to kill your opponent's creatures. Uh, We have cards like Hex. You can kill six creatures uh, and get six creatures on your side if you have enough life for it. Uh, Tysus, Terminate, things like that. Also, note it says from anywhere, so if you want to add a little discard package, to your deck, uh, you can just yoink cards out of people's hands and then uh, steal them with Lorcan. So, a very, a very uh, black thing to do: stealing
1: people's other creatures on the way to the graveyard. This card's sweet, but it really scares me because I don't see much incidental life gain in this pre-con. So I know like you play this and you hex and you're gonna like, I'm gonna wanna cast all the creatures. There's no way I'm gonna pass up that free value, and I'm gonna <laughs> end up at like two life and then die. So keep that in mind that there isn't a ton of ways to gain back your life. So if you go too far on this, you might <laughs> you might put yourself in a position car. where you're yeah, you're you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna end up dying to your own Krasicar. <laughs> Look, there's actually a really good combo, which is Pontiff
3: of Blight, which gives, it has extort, Mm. so you can pay mana uh, to gain some life back, but it gives all your creatures extort, so if you steal your opponent's creatures and have like a big army of creatures, they all have extort, and you can try to drain your way back up to a healthy life total.
0: Yeah, they, they they kind of pay for themselves. You still have to have all that black mana to extort, but... It is. It, there is a little Sounds bit of like a here. lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: also. Yeah, or or yeah. Zaka Relic is also in there. One of the mana rocks you can sacrifice <laughs> to gain three lives. So that, that helps a little.
0: It's <laughs> definitely not my top contender for the commander of this, this deck, even if it was Rakdos color. But I think it, it actually works a lot better in the 99 because that seven mana is a lot. I would much prefer, you know, reanimating it or something than yeah. then hard casting it. But I mean, it's It's still it's still a big effect. I still, I still enjoy it. And, th- th- and sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, yeah, like this. This is a very, very good card
2: just for for the ninety nine. So agree with you there.
0: Yeah, and and also as a resident Lord Nern. I don't know anything about this Lorcon char- character, but warlocks are are people who basically make a pact with an otherworldly being to get power. So you yep. go into a deal with another world being. You say, I'm going to get some of your power, and in, resp- in return, I'll do something for you. That's how it usually works. So Loricon's a warlock collector, so he has a lot of pacts with a lot of different warlocks, and he probably collects when they die. Is That that's that seems to be what the theme is here. Like, the creature dies, it gets exiled, and it gets returned to the con, so he like collects on on the payment the after bill that comes due. <laughs> yeah. Also, one cool thing about uh, about the difference between D and D and and Magic the Gathering. Canonically, Wizards of the Coast didn't like crossing the streams with Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering, so they purposely made sure that some stuff in Dungeons and Dragons is different in Magic the Gathering. And one thing they did very differently is they actually swapped devils and demons around. Uh, historically, devils are lawful evil, and they're very black-aligned in Dungeons Dragons. But in in Magic the Gathering, they purposely made devils actually red-aligned, very chaotic evil, which is what demons would be uh, in Dungeons Dragons. So they literally swapped the two around. And you see, Lorcan mm-hmm. here is a devil. He's black. He's very lawful e. He makes pacts. Uh, but if it, if this was Innistrad, for example, he would actually be a demon, which is kind of it's kind of neat. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> um all right moving on uh we got another sweet new rare card bag of devouring this is a black artifact that says whenever you sacrifice another non-token artifact or creature you exile it Uh, you can also spade pay two and tap it to sacrifice another artifact or creature and draw a card and then you can pay three and sacrifice it uh to roll a d10 this is the first time we're doing dice rolling here roll a d10 10-sided die uh, return up to X cards from among cards exiled with Bag of Devouring to their owner's hands, where X is the result. Um, so, this card looks pretty bananas. Um, if, first of all, it says sacrifice another artifact or creature um so it has some versatility here it's good with artifacts it's good with creature decks so it's, it's definitely very much like a sacrifice matters uh archetype deck it's really good with treasure tokens which again prosper makes very easily um you draw a lot of cards for very efficient amounts uh, of mana just two each time um and then when you pay three mana you can get like 1 to 10 things back which i think is is actually really good. It's just like a nice sack outlet. It can sacrifice your excess treasure tokens or your creatures that want to die. Uh you draw a bunch of cards when you're done drawing cards, boom, you get a bunch of stuff back.
2: I I'm I I don't know how i feel about it. Th- I guess the card's pretty good, but like all around I'm so excited to see D10s and D20s being brought in because I've always been like kind of like D&D adjacent. So using mm. my D20s and my, like, all my dice, like my little dice bag literally has the D&D stuff on it uh, because that was sent to me. But yeah, like the thing here is being so – or like being near all the D20s and stuff like that, it's cool to see uh, like them actually being put to use. So I'm excited to get those
0: rolling on, on the table and stuff like that. And then D&D is a hop and a skip away, Krim. You'll be one of us soon. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm very much <laughs> well, so no, not boss. that far no, away boss. from just playing it. <laughs>
2: I mean, I've played it once as a warlock, so yeah. cool to see these D10s and all these things. And, uh, yeah, another. It, this is sweet because it's like it reminds me of Bag of Holding, but for sacrificing. So it, it's pretty it, cool.
0: It's, it's also a, a, an item in Dungeons and Dragons, obviously. And yeah, it is, it is very similar to Bag of, of Holding. And it's kind of like a cursed item in, in Dungeons and Dragons where people, it, it masquerades as a Bag of Holding. And then you realize much later that it's actually a Bag of Devouring. So all that stuff you put it's in there teeth. hoping to have this <laughs> nice little portable storage. Oh uh, yeah, those items are gone now. Oopsie daisy. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's a little, uh, a little lore tidbit as well. All right.
3: So this card's pretty tricky for new players. Uh, it has a lot of text on it. So I d- like normally when you want to sacrifice things, you sacrifice uh, disposable things like treasure tokens or maybe creature tokens that uh, Piper of the Swarm made or something like that. But those things that get sacrificed, you won't be able to return them when you sack the Bag of Devouring, right? So you're just sacrificing them to draw a card. Uh, so, you know, don't, don't be shocked if you're sitting there sacrificing token after token. And then when it comes time to sack the bag of devouring, you roll a D 10, get a 10 and then not have much to return. Cause you spent all your time sacking tokens. Uh, so there, there's a little tricksy part to this. I do like the go bigger, go home aspect. Uh, you, you sack the bag. Maybe you, you get a, you get a one. Maybe you get a ten. Nobody knows. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to rely on Lady Luck here. So I actually kind of like that. I think that's fun, and it brings the the D and D aspect to Magic really well.
0: It's like the highest variance. It's one of the highest variance cards I can ever think of. Honestly, like usually we in Magic the Gathering we have a flip a coin, right? And you could flip a couple coins, but this is essentially like, I mean, you could get one thing, you could get ten things back. That's like such a huge variance that. It's going to be really fun. It's going to lo- it's going to allow some really cool moments I think in our games where like somebody rolls and we really need like two things back and then boom you get like 10 and you're like whoa. So I, I think
1: I think it's also important to point out that its first ability is just a static ability. Whenever you sacrifice another non-token or uh, artifact or creature, you uh, you exile it. So that doesn't mean you have to sack it to of Devouring, that can be sacrificed to any effects and there are other cards in the deck that will cause you to sacrifice a creature so that might be the way that you end up filling up the the bag of devouring and end up getting stuff back from it because i definitely agree you're going to be mostly like paying two to sack a treasure and draw a card but you might end up with some stuff up uh, under it incidentally almost just from like playing your removal spells and some of the other cards in the deck
0: all right moving on we got a new sorcery so let's hear seth
1: Well, speaking of maybe sacrificing your own creatures, we have Dance Macabre, a five-mana Black Sorcery that says each player sacrifices a non-token creature. You roll a d20, add the toughness of the creatures you sacrificed of the creature you sacrificed this way, and then if you end up with 1 to 14, you get to return a creature that was put into the graveyard from uh, Dance Macabre's ability onto the battlefield. If you get a 15+, plus, you get... two creatures back so essentially a sort of expensive mass edict but you're going to get at least one creature back from the graveyard and maybe two creatures back from the graveyard which is pretty powerful and it's not restricted so you can sacrifice your biggest most expensive creature just to up your die roll essentially and know that you can get that back along with one of your opponent's things as long as you get a pretty decent roll with your d20.
2: Such a cool card, right? It's so flavorful. I, I love this card. I th- I think this is a, a yeah, like much like Seth had mentioned. It's a good way to reanimate numerous targets, and rolling a D twenty along the way makes it even more fun.
1: <laughs> the The only thing I would say is it's probably going to be a little high variance because one of the downsides about. Edicts is your opponent gets to control them. So they're going to be incentivized to choose their smallest, least powerful creatures. So I can, there's going to be some times when this is insane and everyone's only got a big creature and you get two huge things from the graveyard. There's going to be other times when all your opponents have a Llanowar Elves or a little 1-1 yeah. mana dork on the battlefield and you end up not really getting that much value out of it for five mana so I guess that fits with the die rolling theme though it's just a really <laughs> high variance removal spell.
0: I do like yeah. that it, it it dodges non-token creatures er, dodges token creatures so like if you were up against a token deck like yeah I, there's like a bunch of sacralings 1-1 sacralings you, that are just going to be buffers for this but like At least it dodges those, but yeah, there's going to be, like, Clan of War Elves or Eternal Witnesses and stuff like that that can be a bummer, but it's so high variance That's kind of the the point.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the variance is lessened because you do have some big toughness creatures in the deck. Um, Our commander is four toughness. The Eye of Beholders, five toughness. We have Pontiff at seven toughness. We have Itali at six toughness. So you can stack it in your favor a little bit by sacking one of the, the big bodies to mm. hit that 15 plus. Uh, now, if you're like me and unfortunate, you might sack like seven toughness, roll a one and be super sad. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's how it goes.
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, also, just quick add, lore-wise, this is a spell for wizards, and maybe other, other other casters can do it too, but the sorcerers here are going to be spells from Dungeons & Dragons as well, which is a nice little tidbit. And speaking of stuff that we want sacrifice to Dance Macabre to get uh, higher value out of it, Krim, um, there's a, a pretty sweet uh, creature that has six toughnesses, seems like the ideal candidate to sacrifice. This this is a creature that's going to be a favorite for
2: Richard and I for its two types. But uh, mm-hmm. Death Tyrant, four and a black. It's a Beholder. I love that. Skeleton. Richard mm-hmm. loves that. <laughs> and then, of course, Menace. Negative Energy Cone. Whenever an attacking creature you control or a blocking creature an opponent controls dies, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. You can also pay five and a black to return Death Tyrant from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So you can definitely sacrifice this. It has great toughness. But on top of that, this card on its own, uh, like, it, it can kind of just spawn an army whenever your opponent is, like, blocking and and, and whatever, right? Like, if it, any of their creatures dies, this spawns an army. It reminds me of another card in Magic. But, yeah, this is a really cool way to generate an army, get sack fodder, all this stuff. Uh, and it kind of synergizes really well with, like, you know, the whatever the bag is and all of that. So this is a, a sweet card. It's another eye monster, so I love it.
0: It is. It's a death tyrant that's like the special when when beholders are reanimated. They come back as death tyrants. And beholders are incredibly powerful. Death tyrants are also incredibly powerful as well. They still have some of their magic. And while beholders uh, fire off anti-magic cones, energy cones, uh, these uh, fire negative energy cones, which is like power of necromantic powers and, and can spawn Zombies like this ability, so uh, that's that's very sweet. I, don't
2: like, I really like the lore. I'm
0: kind of going a little bit. I, I uh, I have, little have a science things, question for you man <laughs> Do eyeballs have
3: skeletons? How did we get a, how do we get a no. skeletal eyeball here? It's well,
0: like I, I assume the eyeball is magic. It's, it's shooting just magic. Like a
3: perfect, <laughs> a perfect sphere of bone that floats, yeah. and there's like an eye socket in it.
0: Look. We're talking about magic. It's a teeth. negative energy cone. and It's floating. All right, Richard. Are we going to pick
3: apart? No, it only has menace. It's not floating. There's no flying. It only has menace, Let which it is weird because
0: it should have flying. Look, it, it flies, but it can't fly really high off the ground. Yeah. So that's yeah, it's the main floating.
1: That's that's different. Yeah, we don't have that, a float actually, ability in magic. Yet. Yeah. Floaty. I, th- I, I think I, floating is pretty much menace, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically. Well, I'd be scared uh, of this. <laughs> As far as magic play, this card actually has some sweet synergies, because you can perhaps sacrifice a creature that you attack with, even if your opponent doesn't block it, that still counts as it being attacking, like it just has to be declared as an attacker, so you can maybe make a 1-1 token, which the deck has a few different cards that make relatively useless 1-1 tokens, but make like a 1-1 rat token, attack with it, sacrifice it to your bag of devouring, draw a card, and upgrade it into a zombie along the way, so there are some really cool little tricks and synergies that this card offers I think to the deck
2: yeah and the fact that you can just keep reoccurring this is pretty sweet Mm -hmm.
1: yeah you're pretty free to slam it into big creatures knowing that if it dies you're going to get a zombie out of it and you can just put it back into play from your graveyard wait
3: wait that doesn't work because bag bag of holding exiles right it replaces the
1: death trigger
0: oh dies oh no
1: you don't you don't want to oh wait no yeah, it dies. It, only if you sacrifice it.
3: I'm
1: um, so confused. Yeah. So
3: if, if you sacrifice a bag of holding, it doesn't work. But if it dies in combat,
1: it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You want to sacrifice tokens, I think, in combat, not this. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, moving on, I, I told you about how like beholders are insane and also incredibly paranoid so Richard, tell us about Fevered Suspicion, which is basically showcasing what happens when a Beholder is getting a little bit too paranoid, maybe goes off with the pew-pew lasers a bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> fevered
3: Suspicion, a sorcery at 8 mana value, so 6 black and a red Each opponent exiles cards from the top of the library until they exile a non-land card. You may cast any number of spells from among those non-land cards without paying their mana costs. And it has rebound. So at the beginning of your next upkeep, you may cast this card from exile without paying its mana costs, which conveniently works with your commander.
0: Ah, it counts as playing it.
2: This is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) It casts our opponent's best cards. Yeah, or I mean random cards, which is amazing because the randomness. But it casts your opponent's cards, and then it does it again. It's a very – I think this is a very expensive spell, but my gosh, is this a fun card.
1: I think it's definitely fun, and it does have some synergies like with Prosper, but – Uh, kind of maybe this whole deck is maybe the theme to go along with the die rolling is just the high variance because you kind of have that same issue. Like, you spend this for eight mana, maybe you're gonna get you know, crater hoof behemoths and these huge expensive dragons, and it's gonna be amazing. Maybe you're gonna get a bunch of mana rocks and a bunch of you know, mana dorks, and you're gonna be really really sad. So, but maybe that's just what this deck's supposed to be like, and I think that kind of captures the the D die rolling and like a flavor that they were going for with the deck. So I don't know. It, you're either going to be really happy or really sad when you cast this card. There's not much, not much in between with this one.
0: Yeah. This card is a mess. Is it like we did Quandrix recently where we're like, Whoa, this, all these cards are so busted so fast. This one is all about like, it could be busted. Maybe. How, how lucky are you feeling today? When you cast <laughs> it, the same man, spell could just win you the game or it can like hit like, a counter spell and <laughs> a a man or an lanoir elf you know like who knows but yeah. either way it's pretty fun to just like cast it and then there's going to be like the suspense of revealing everybody's everybody's yeah. libraries and stuff so that that that's like a cool design not incredibly powerful not super consistent and that's kind of the point it's all about embracing chaos which i really love all right, moving on. We have a pretty sweet equipment. This is Fiendlash. Seth, tell us about it. Oh, no, I have to tell us about it. I'm going to tell you about it. This is Fiendlash. This is a two-mana artifact equipment, one and a red. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus O oh, and has reach. And whenever an whenever equipped creature is dealt damage, it deals damage equal to its power to target player or planeswalker. And it has an equip cost of two and a red. Uh, so, basically, it kind of reminds me of, like, a stuffy doll or, like, a brash taunter effect where, yeah. you know, you want, maybe you want to deal damage to this creature to uh, redirect it to a player or Planeswalker. But even so, even without, like, mass burn abilities like Blasphemous Act or Starve Extinction or whatever, it makes blocking this, like, a really, really tough call. Because if you block it... Uh, somebody's going to take a lot of that damage anyway, and if you have any planeswalkers on the battlefield, oh boy those are, those are planeswalkers that are going to be sweating as soon as they see a fiend lash on the battlefield
1: yeah, I think it works really well with like the, the Death Tyrant attacking plan that the deck has, where you want to throw this on a creature, you attack, if your opponent doesn't block, they're taking damage equal to its power. If they do block and your creature takes damage, you're still kind of getting through that damage. So it seems like a really good way to close out games through blockers, essentially, once you get your opponent low on life. I'm just checking... There's nothing they to. They
0: don't have synergize actions. with it. I checked. Yeah. No, I don't think
3: there's anything. Out. In <laughs> yeah. fact, most creatures have menace or flying or something, so <laughs> yeah. like, it's even hard to get them to the block. It, you it's, can it's except the eyes. Classic. Cool
0: yeah, I was looking. I was looking at the the list, so I was like, is there anything? Oh wait, no, yeah. no, no. There's a new card. There's a new card. There's a new card later on, or maybe should we just talk about it now? No, no, no. That would ruin everything. We have one card that's a board wipe that could like actually trigger it pretty nicely but we'll get to that later
1: it's i think it's also worth pointing out that it's damage equal to the creature's power rather than the amount of damage it takes so if you blasphemous right. act you're not getting 13 you're getting <laughs> whatever the power is of the creature that you blasphemous act so it is a little bit like stuffy doll but there is a a bit of a twist i don't think it's as combo-y as, as like a stuffy doll might be
0: oh this card's not great oh whatever nope
1: <laughs> nope it is not but there it's a it's, whip of bones
0: it's someone's spine
1: yes what's what's the lore tomer what's the dnd lore
0: i don't know <laughs> it might be a magic item i don't know all right the kill all be winners all right moving on <laughs> next up we have okay this one is this one is legit pretty darn good though seth tell That's us about for. grim hireling <laughs>
1: How do how do I get all the tieflings? How tie does that fling. keep happening? I mean, you still said it. Grim. We have grim. We have grim hireling. You call a grim. grim. Grim hireling. The grim hireling 4 mana, 3 in a black, you get a a tiefling rogue or a Tiefling. Apparently, uh, if we want to be all correct about it, it's a three-two. Whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, you make two treasures. Then you impel a black mana. Sacrifice X treasures to give target creature negative X negative X until end of turn. Activate it only as a sorcery this card's great. The last one might not have been too exciting. This card's really, really good. The way it's worded, it triggers whenever you hit a player. In Commander, you got three opponents. If you can spread the love and hit each of your opponents, that's potentially six treasures this is making every single turn. That's like smothering tithe plus. That's an insane amount of ramp on this creature. And then being able to sack the treasures for removal not only works well with all these treasures you're making, you might be able to kill something every turn if you're getting six treasures. It also synergizes with a bunch of other cards in the deck, like Prosper that make treasures. So it's a repeatable removal spell that can take down whatever you want to. This card, oh, this card's so good. So, so good.
2: It doesn't even tap. Like, that's the thing. You just do it multiple times across, like, uh, different targets.
1: Yeah, for one mana. Right. For one mana.
0: That is really good. Yeah, I, I think this is one of the most powerful cards in the deck, and probably one of the cards that, like, even if you're not interested in the pre-constructed deck itself, like, buying the entire thing, you'll probably want to pick this up as, like, a single or something, order or it I as a single on. for something. because like so the, a rogue. Yeah, like, treasures are such a common thing that are being made, not just with, like, our Commander Prosper in this deck, but, like, you know, some of the best cards, like, Dockside Extortionists, make a lot of treasures, and this, this energizes really well with it. Uh, so this card looks really sweet. Just, like, up to six treasure tokens per... Uh, combat and then just having turning that into like actual removal multiple times is great. Also, it's a rogue, and rogues are a class in Dungeons and Dragons. And usually, if you play a rogue, the most the most stereotypical thing is your rogue is obsessed with loot. This is obsessed with loot, and I love I love the flavor on that as well. <laughs> and they're usually unblockable, so <laughs> so they go
2: right on through. Maybe you put it in the Anawon deck. We'll see. I don't I don't know
0: what you're talking about. <laughs> all right we'll move on to another uh iconic spell uh that all tieflings have in Dungeons and dragons uh this is hellish rebuke so uh Crim, tell us about it hellish rebuke two in a black an instant
2: spell until end of turn permanence your opponent's control gain when this permanent deals damage to the player who cast hellish rebuke sacrifice this permanent you lose two life <clears throat> So, if this isn't just the greatest, like, gotcha card, right, right after they, they do a swing on people, or they swing on you, <laughs> you could really politic, like, hey, don't attack me. Don't attack me. I, I'm serious. Do not attack me. You'll take, You'll take the damage still, which is going to hurt, but they'll also take the damage back and sacrifice their board. So, this seems pretty sweet. I I, I like this as just a a, a fun way to just really politic people into making it so that, you know, you, everyone at your pod to kind of just leave you alone unless they kill you. Because, you know, if you're going (laughs) for the king, you best aim for the head. (laughs) Because, uh, right, Tomer? Uh. (laughs) Oh, boy.
0: Yeah, also, this card is a cream card, for sure. It is. I love that you keep getting, like, the most creamiest cards. We didn't We didn't uh, build it this way. It just happens. Yeah. <laughs> I love this whole deck. I think this deck is amazing.
2: Uh, this is such a me deck.
0: Also, like, the D&D lore-wise, all tieflings have this as a racial <laughs> spell. It's just, like, whenever you take damage as a reaction... You can make them take a bunch of damage in response, and all warlocks get, or it's a warlock spell too, so double double the, the callback with this uh, warlocky deck. So I like it. Uh, I like it a bunch. We burn together. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have a really cool new uh, removal spell that also synergizes really well in the deck. Richard, tell us about Hurl Through Hell. All right.
3: We have Hurl Through Hell. It's four mana value, two generic, a black, and a red. It's an instant. You exile target creature until the end of your next turn. You may cast that card, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. So uh, it, it's removal. And then there's a little upside here where you can just uh, use your mana to pay that uh, play that creature. And again, if you have Prosper out, it's a, it's a double here. Uh, you get the
2: synergies. But... Rakdos stealing people's creatures. Until the end of your next turn too you can cast that. So mm-hmm. So like that's nice. It go it isn't like until the end of the current turn. So that's gonna be pretty major. Uh and, and I, I love this. And it's an exile spell. This is this is such a good removal spell for a crimmy deck. I love it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's still fine. Just killing something for four mana—it really does hit all the all the flavor points in the deck. It works with the commanders of the deck. It works with the like stealing your opponent's stuff theme. This card is like—I don't know. if There was a mascot of the deck. I think Hurl Through Hell would be be my pick. It just like really describes what the deck's trying to do. And like you were saying, Tomer. Exiling something for four mana is not bad, and exiling is pretty relevant in Commander because a lot of decks are, you know, recurring their creatures from the graveyard, have synergies like that. That's a way to get rid of them forever, which is really nice.
2: Yeah, like this. This to me looks a lot more, a lot more than just an exiling a card. By the way, this is exiling a creature and then also like essentially, to, like drawing a a, a spell. Or drawing a creature because next turn i know what i'm doing right i'm gonna play this creature unless it like is absolutely like not useful at all <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. and also the the spell itself uh i do remember it <clears throat> as one of the most iconic uh spells a warlock has access to in dungeon dragons if they are of i think an infernal patron one of their capstone one of their highest level abilities is they just like target a creature And they literally send them through hell for a turn. And they just, like, experience horrible, horrible, horrible horrors. They're banished to hell for X amount of time. I'm not sure how long. They come back. They take a ton of damage as well. And it's just, like, it's just a very unpleasant experience, as you can see. (laughs) As you can see it depicted in the artwork. So that's just fantastic as well. All right. Moving on, we have a very uh, unique, very Dungeons Dragons-y board wipe um and this is just depicting you know your average ad- average adventure as it were uh, it's very reckless this is reckless endeavor richard tell us about it
3: uh okay we have reckless endeavor five red red sorcery roll two d12s and choose one result reckless endeavor deals damage equal to that result to each creature then create a number of treasure tokens equal to the other result so you get to roll two dice. One of them just hits all creatures. The other one is how many treasures you make.
2: <laughs> this is going to feel so <laughs> bad when I roll a one. Roll <laughs> a double one. Snake
0: eyes. <laughs> that's kind uh, of winning. I mean,
1: <laughs> uh, Even an average roll, though, like let's say you're rolling D12. So what, like six is right in the middle. If you roll two sixes, let's say, which obviously that's not going to happen every time, six damage to everything and six treasures... That almost makes it a free spell. You're almost getting all of your mana back in the form of treasures right away. Plus, you can kind of manipulate it based on the situation. Like, maybe there's a bunch of 1-1 tokens. You can use your little roll to get rid of, you know, all the small creatures and then get a ton of treasures and have a ridiculous amount of mana for the next turn. So, 7 mana is a lot, but I think it's actually a pretty powerful effect. Although, like many of the cards, it is high variant. Like, you can get unlucky and roll snake eyes and then you're going to be really, 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 really sick sad
0: yeah this card has a lot of variants which will make it again probably not the best choice if you're going for like the most optimal cards board wipes in your deck like it's not going to replace blasphemous acts in terms of like sheer power but this is all what DD is about this is what this is encapsulates dungeon dragon so well you're rolling high variance and there is, again, like Seth said, it's like, there's a little bit of uh, control there because you choose which one is going to be the treasures and which one's going to be uh, the burn. And it's also going to be kind of nice if you make like a bunch of treasures and then you play the, the grim hireling uh, afterwards and you get some more synergies there too. So I like it. It's very much Dungeons and Dragons. It's very the, much. the
2: showmanship of this card is going to be absolutely wild. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's going to hold
0: their breath. Yeah. Yeah. This, I love these, these dice rolling cards. Alright, moving on, we have another enchantment, and this one depicts uh, a usual issue in an adventuring party, when you go on adventures, uh, you, you find a lot of loot, and then you have to divvy it up somehow, and there's often going to be some arguments on how that loot is shared. So uh, I'm going to tell you about Share the Spoils, which is a two-mana red enchantment, one in a red. And it says, when it enters the battlefield or an opponent loses the game, exile the top card of each player's library. During each player's turn, that may that player may play a land or cast a spell from among cards exiled with Share the Spoils. And they may spend mana as though were mana of any color to cast that spell. When they do, exile the top card of their library. Um, so... This is kind of really fun, because at the very beginning you're you're not really getting all this value for yourself. You kind of share it amongst the group, unless you have a ton of mana, and then maybe you can get more value than the rest of the table. Um, But, uh, it is a a form of card advantage, it is a little bit of chaos, which I really like here, too. Where everybody's going to be scrambling for the best spell to suit their needs. And it's a two mana enchantment, so it comes down early, Uh, it's not a a huge mana investment for you, even if you find it late. Uh, it probably means that, like, you play it if you have like seven mana or something. You pay two mana, drop this on the battlefield. You're gonna get a lot of value out of it before your opponents uh, can get that much value out of it uh, themselves. Um, and then you keep exile the top card of the library, and that's that's uh, that's gonna keep the the fun going. So I, I'm excited for the the chaos that ensues from this. This is definitely going to be a
1: chaos deck,
0: <laughs> right? Like
2: this, yes. this is
1: such
0: a fun card. <laughs>
1: It's a card that doesn't have like a ton of synergy in the deck, but it does work well with Prosper because you are playing a card from Exile. So it is working with the main commander of the deck, but this is one that I think is kind of like a group hug or a chaos card if you're upgrading or throwing it in another deck. I, I do really like that it's two mana. I think that's the big selling point. We've seen like Knowledge Pool kind of do something similar, but it's six mana. The nice thing about this is as Tomer said, in the late game, you can probably play the first spell out from under it and pick the, the best of the loot uh, and use that to your advantage, which I think is a pretty big deal. It's a, a card that hopefully, even though it does help everyone and is kind of symmetrical, you might be able to manipulate it so it's helping you a little bit more.
0: Yeah,
3: um, you could do the rogue thing and pretend you're part of the party and then drop like a homeboard path, which isn't part <laughs> of the deck, but you can easily put that in. Which lets you gain control of all permanents you own. So you can thank your opponents for casting all your spells for you and then just, like, take them all. Uh, so, yeah, you can, you can do some weird shenanigans with this card. And the way it's worded, it always keeps cards available. Like, you can't, like, be the last one to, you know, to the table and, like, lose all the cards. Yeah, so whenever no someone thing. plays something, it replaces. When someone dies it replaces so <laughs> there's always there's always stuff in the grab bag this this adventure was very uh <laughs> it, it paid off very yeah, well <laughs> there, there. there's lots to take from here
0: yeah i i will be so happy like you said homer path homer path works with creatures brand also a red card if you want to add it here it returns all your permanents back to you nobody else gets their permanents back only you do so there's there's some shenanigans you can build off this not in the deck but it already works with Prosperous, so it's very sweet. All right, moving on, we have Wild Magic Sorcerer, which, again, is a class in Dungeons & Dragons. Sorcerer is a class. The subclass is Wild Magic, and it's all about chaos. It's like you cast a spell, something random happens. So, Seth, tell us about what Wild Magic
1: Sorcerer does. Ooh, so Wild Magic Sorcerer, four mana, three and a red, you get an Orc Shaman, it's a four three, and it says the first spell that you cast from Exile each turn has Cascade, if you don't want to Cascade, basically, you reveal cards from your deck until you hit one that has a lesser mana value than the one you cast, and you get to cast that one for free. This card's really powerful. It obviously synergizes with Prosper. That's the main combo, because that's exiling a card that you can cast each turn. Even if you just cast that, you're getting basically two cards instead of one, and one of them you get to cast for free, but there's also a bunch of other stuff in the deck. We have Cascade. Cascade casts spells from Exile, so it essentially doubles up cards like Throes of Chaos or Bituminous Blasts that are in the deck that cascade. We have Rebound spells. Rebound. On the rebound, it casts from Cascade. If you cast a, a Uh, fervered suspicion when it comes off rebound that's an eight mana spell you could be hitting almost anything in your entire deck and getting it for free just from having this on the battlefield so the card's really good it synergizes with the commander and a bunch of other stuff and it offers a ton of free value again it's it's card draw and ramp put together that's what makes the cascade mechanic so powerful because you cast it for free and you're drawing an extra card that's what commander decks want to do so i think this is another one of the more powerful and synergistic cards uh, in the entire deck really
2: and it's so cheap. It's only like four mana. Usually something like this is attached to like some kind of like six
0: to seven mana uh permanent, right? So this is only four, yeah. so I, I really like that. It kinda reminds me of like mono red Rashmi Eternity's crafter. Because I think Rashmi has a very similar style of card where it's like she's kind of almost like Cascade, where like if you don't cast if you reveal the top card of your uh, library, if it's like converted mana cost less or mana value less, uh then you get to cast it but if not, you put it into your hand. This one will always cast something, and it's just in red. It doesn't have to be in Simic. Um, so I can even see this card being like yoinked out of the precon and added to a deck that's more like draw go, you know? So uh you're always casting spells every single turn and you're maximizing that sort of uh deck as well. Um so I feel like it's cool here, but it's also good uh in other decks as well, which and it's just like a high power card. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, next up, we have another magic item for from Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, this is Bucknard's Everfull Purse. Krim, tell us about this one. <laughs> Bucknard's
2: Everfull Purse, two mana, artifact, pay one and tap it, roll a d4 and create a number of treasure tokens equal to the result. That player to your right gains control of Buckheart, Bucknard's <laughs> Everfull Purse. <laughs> This okay, that's that's just a lot to say. Um me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ever full purse.
1: Okay. Uh, easy.
2: I I love I love the this. This is just like such a fun party mechanic, right? Like this is such a party thing that you can throw into the game. Uh, and and rolling like a D4 anytime you get to roll dice and and, and make some treasures pass <laughs> it along, this is gonna be a good time because you know for a matter of fact somebody's gonna roll real poor, <laughs> and and they're gonna just pass it over right. So like this this just seems great, like this everything so far in this deck is just so much fun and it's actually turned it could turn your commander tables and pods into like just a full on party game, and and I'm kind of here for this. It's a bit of a group hug. Yeah, everybody's group hug. Everybody's group hug.
1: (laughs) I think that the deck naturally breaks the symmetry a little bit because... Most people probably are not playing cards that synergize with treasures. and this deck, we've been talking about them all yeah. through this video, like sacrifice treasures to kill things and other abilities like that, sacrifice treasures to draw cards. So even though, sure, everyone is theoretically going to benefit the same with a bunch of luck thrown in, but everyone's going to be getting treasures, hopefully you'll be able to use them more effectively than your opponent. So even though it's symmetrical, you kind of naturally break the symmetry, I think, a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. You, you're you hoping, at least, that you edge Just a little bit more than your opponents do But regardless, (laughs) still very much so Like a a light group hug You kind of feel here
0: If you're also feeling like a meanie uh, If you have Bag of Devouring on the battlefield You can activate the purse And in response to uh, the ability You sack it, right? So you get some treasures (laughs) You draw a card And your opponents get nothing (laughs) They don't get to use Bucknard's ever Everfull purse Can you guess what the magic item does?
2: Does it does it fill up with coins forever? It's bottomless?
0: Yes, every it's dawn. E- ever, it has it, it in the flavor text, which it's I love. ever full. It literally <laughs> says what the, what the magic item does in the flavor text, which is like perfect. I love it. <laughs> All right. I'm putting this one in Zedru, by the way, 100%. <laughs> All right, moving on. This is a card that I know... Okay, I don't know how we we arranged it so perfectly, but I know this is a card that Richard really likes. This is Ebony Fly. This is another magic item from Dungeons & Dragons that is now card form in Magic the Gathering. So, Richard, tell us about Ebony Fly. All right. It's
3: a fly (laughs) that adds mana somehow. It's a (laughs) two-mana value. It enters the battlefield tapped, and you can tap it to add a colorless mana. So it is a uh, two-mana... Uh, artifact mana rock and then you can pay four generic mana to activate it you roll a d6 until end of turn you may have ebony fly become an xx insect artifact creature with flying where x is a result and as a bonus when ebony fly attacks another target attacking creature gains flying until end of
2: turn fledgling hatchling Mm -hmm. can get that flying (laughs) (laughs) this this card is so good this card (laughs) is so cool I'm putting this in like every one of my decks. It's not only a mana rock, but it's a mana rock that can kind of become a body that flies. It can be rain. a six-six. <laughs> yeah, this is such a good mana rock, right? Like I love this. It Doesn't make a color or anything like that. But holy cow, is this sweet for two
1: mana? I I mean, oh, hmm. go ahead, Domer.
0: It comes to play tap. That's like the main main problem. There. It's like not Mind Stone, not Everflowing Chalice, right. not that vessel. There's like a bunch that I would run over it, but even so, like I, eventually, there's going to be a two mana rock that I want in. Like, I need, t- I need like ten, you know, mana rocks in my non green decks. This is definitely making the cut. I think pretty easily. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a threat. It's a freaking it's... threat that gives evasion. <laughs> right. That's so sick. Hold on now. You say okay.
3: threat. I... It gives you indestructible. It gives you invincibility. Okay. I, I hold four mana. <laughs> Are you going to risk me rolling a 6 to kill your 5-5? Five five? Like, are you really going to take that risk? Even yes. though, in all likelihood, the average is 3, right? If you have a 5-5, five five, it's going elsewhere. You're not going to risk being that one guy that got got by Ebony Fly, right? So, this is like the ultimate defensive man rock, and I... I really like it. You just hold it there. You're yeah. like, what you gonna do?
0: You want to
2: test lady luck today? Wait, wait, wait. Well, wait. Qu- question though, if I don't like my result and I need a manasing, can I pay four to roll again? Yes. Yes. And- yes. yes. Oh, the fun is endless I- then. <laughs> or it could be worse.
1: I, I, I am not as I am not as high on this fly as the rest of you sure. all. Uh, I like it. I like it. I, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. It's not a bad card. It's just a two mana mana rock, but do you really want to leave four mana up to try to play defense? I yes. thought you were the one that argued against leaving up two mana for counterspell because that's way too clunky, Richard. You want to leave know. up four mana? It's know. an You want to I mean, turn like on the fly. percent of the time, it's just a two mana <laughs> mana rock. Like, right. that's, that's not bad,
3: right? And then in the other times you where you have like a 10 10, like just vanilla creature. Right, you could just you know roll a six, give them both flying, hit someone for sixteen out of nowhere. Right, like it has yeah. a lot of flexibility for <laughs> yeah. a two mana mana rock, which is a highly playable card. Right, it doesn't yeah. make colored yeah. mana. Right, so it is not like the greatest card of all time, but it is still a very strong card and. You laugh, but someone's going to die to an ebony fly. Step, step, step. it'll probably be me. <laughs> it'll probably be dying. Die to ebony fly. <laughs> if,
0: you have, if you have that excess mana, you're late in the game, you need some threats, you need some pressure, <laughs> the ebony fly, it's going to get there. And also, we talked about, like, uh, we have two possible commanders for this deck. Not as good with Prosper, no synergies there, but with Karazakar, uh, if that's your commander, you know, attacking is now very beneficial for you. This is a body that... Or it's, it's a mana rock, very respectable mana rock, does it a good job. And then later on, if you need to draw a card and you need to you need to hit it with something, Evelyn Fly's got, got, your, got your more back. importantly,
3: we can fix <laughs> Watsy's mistakes and give our eyeballs flying. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>? oh yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You yeah, can yeah, now yeah. have a flying yes. beholder. Okay, yeah, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. The most Fly. important <laughs> aspect of the card. <laughs>
0: right, right. I should also mention that this card and last one ever Bucknards ever curse these are both cards that you're going to be finding in uh amongst multiple of the commander decks it's not exclusive to Planar portal uh these two the ones that had the uncommon symbol these ones are uh available in multiple of the pre-cons so if you're desperately looking for an ebony fly uh fear not you don't need just not to find I it will just in <laughs> portal i'm not even joking the card is sick <laughs> all right moving on we have another card that you can find in uh the pre-cons or the the pre-constructed commander decks uh this is underdark rift which uh showcases a very uh cool area in the forgotten realms called the underdark where uh it's basically like imagine just like an entire new world that just lives underground and this is where you'll find uh you know dark elves and mushrooms and flumps and improve and <laughs> holders mind flares all those cool things all live underground in the underdark ooh and uh underdark rift let's hear it up uh let's hear from it from seth
1: ooh so underdark rift it's a land it comes into play untapped it adds a colorless mana then you can pay five tap it exile it Roll a d10, put target artifact creature or planeswalker into its owner's library, just beneath the top X cards of its library, where X is the result, can only do it as a sorcery. So essentially, a land that works as temporary, but pretty good temporary removal for an artifact creature or planeswalker, I think this card is actually really, really powerful. Uh, I think this is a card that is decent in this deck. I mean, just lands that add value are good in general. I think it's especially exciting outside of the precon, where there's some colors that really struggle to kill an artifact. Let's say, uh, <laughs> like uh, black, for example. Red is a color that's really good at killing artifacts. That's why the precon has some other options for it. But I think in the broader game of Commander, having a a land that kind of breaks the color pie to some extent. And if your color is bad at killing artifacts, this land can get it done. Plus it has the flexibility to hitting creatures or planeswalkers. That seems pretty huge on a land that comes into play untapped, with the only drawback really being that it just adds colorless mana. I
0: think it's all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's okay.
1: I, I'm. Is, more it, so... is it better than the fly? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fly. it's so much better than the fly. But,
2: no. The fly <laughs> is amazing. Are you joking me? The fly is sick. You're,
3: you're gonna be using this to get rid of the fly. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why it's better. It can beat
0: the. We run out of all available options. Pay six mana exile this. Get rid of the fly once and <laughs> for all.
1: <laughs> well, not even once and for all. For some for random X-meta. number of turns between one and ten. <laughs> one to ten of <laughs> yeah. I can see this like I can see
0: this pretty decent like in like a mono green heavy ramp deck. Yeah, also, this deck is fine too. But like a mono green ramp deck that will be like all right well i don't have any good ways of dealing with a creature right now but i have six mana boom and just, or five mana plus this and boom you got you got rid of something temporarily or something like that it's cute i like it uh it's fine in like monocolor and two color decks
2: i mean I'm, I'm i'm sorry to ask this but like i only know because of I, it's so funny that i know so much about dnd from not D and is this where Stranger Things got the Upside Down from? Because this is where the Mind Flayer is, which is also in Stranger Things and stuff like that. Like this,
0: I guess this... so. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Upside Down in Stranger Things, though, is like a parallel universe or right, something like that? Right, This one is literally like it's underground. <laughs> like it's uh, like a okay. giant <laughs> okay. hollow, like a giant underground
2: place. Where, yeah, like, where the? Because the mind flayer is here, right? Because the mind yes. flayer was in season two of
0: Stranger Things. Yes. So, okay. so mind is okay. you would find spoilers. them. You would oh. find, yeah, oh, spoilers. You find. Oh, get out of here! It's like, only text. like eight years old. Think yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, there's a there's
2: a grace period. Okay, and then you. <laughs>
0: Unless you're gonna give me spoilers about? Oh you know, no! Never mind. I'm not even gonna spoil anything else. No, that would be terrible. All right, moving on. We have the personification of the Warlock class. Like we we mentioned earlier, a lot of these cards are depicting Warlock spells prosper. Uh, The commander is a Warlock. And this is the personification of the Warlock class, which is a brand new enchantment. And this is a card that you're going to find also in the standard set Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Um, So, wait, who was it on? (laughs)
1: <laughs> mm, i did the last one all right yeah. so crim
0: so crim so yeah. tell us about the world class i hey. will
2: this is the only class i've ever played in D for hey. one campaign uh it is one <laughs> black mana it's an enchantment uh you can gain the next level as a sorcery to add uh add its ability so its first one is at the beginning of your end step if a creature died this turn each opponent loses one life uh, pay 2 to get to level 2. When this class becomes level 2, look at the top 3 cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. That's pretty good. Uh, and then 6 and a black to get to level 3. At the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses life equal to the life they lost this turn. Wow. So, d- like, th- this this is just cool, right? Like, now we get to see these class enchantments. Yeah, like, I mean, we, we've... I believe this is a part of the normal set, right? As we can see from the logo and whatnot, but like, this is cool. I love seeing – this is not like a saga, so it's not like how uh, we draw a card and then it activates and then it goes away. I think this just stays on the board, right? This is just an enchantment that Mm -hmm. stays on the board as you continue to level it up and it sits there. That's pretty cool. And So does this ability happen every time As, as, as long as it's out?
1: Uh, wait, what ability? Well, so like, so, at the so I think that the first two abilities are kind of static abilities. The second right. level, that is more of a triggered ability. So you only get that one one time. Hmm. But, but the I other ones, they just sit that, right? out and keep happening. I, I think so. well, we might need to confirm with the rules. Uh, right. I don't think that's been announced yet. I would be very surprised. I think that you can okay. probably only do it once. Kind of like leveling up creatures in the past, okay. yeah. so I'd be surprised if you could just keep paying that, or that would be actually insane if you could just pay two to anticipate whenever you wanted to.
2: Right, We're... I guess that's true, that would be pretty absurd. But yeah. yeah, like that, I mean regardless, this is a pretty cool enchantment Uh the first two abilities. Like, I just love seeing the classes personified
1: through an enchantment, so pretty yeah. sweet. we I think it's actually pretty four. fairly costed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's only one mana. It's one mana to cast, sitting on the battlefield and potentially draining each turn. That's fine. It's not super exciting. Two mana to anticipate. That's a card that people play in blue decks. And this is the black enchantment version of it. And then seven mana for that last ability. That's what is like wound reflection. Six mana or something. Like you're actually like kind of paying the fair cost and you're getting the flexibility along the way so i don't know how much it synergizes with our deck in specific i guess we have some sacrifice synergies to work with the first mode card draw is never bad i don't think there's any combos with the wound reflection last mode that i found at least but it actually seems like a pretty reasonable card
0: it kind of works with our secondary commander Karazakar because not only are we goading uh opposing creatures um, so they're going to lose extra life when they start hitting each other. But also, uh, if they want to draw a card, they do lose one life. So now, boom, bada boom, they lose two life. <laughs> <Hey-o>. Got, <laughs> that adds Got up. him. That actually does add up. Plus, they're, they're forced to hit each other too. So it's like it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you have seven mana, you can wound
3: reflection. Activate the ebony fly. And boom. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Roll a six. Hit him for twelve. Uh, well, but it's well, mainly I think, the first clause like you have a lot of that's
1: 11 man actually yeah, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah you no need 11 to activate it. the fly but yeah. can, oh. continue
0: the way we're recording this before all all the rules have been uh previewed and everything so the way i understand it is it ends the battlefield it gets that first ability the beginning of your upkeep blah, blah blah then you can pay two mana to level it up to level two and you get to immediately do that and then you can pay seven mana to level to level 3. So as a, after it's level 3, you get that level 3 ability, but you also get the the level 1 ability to still rolling. I think you you get all yeah. abilities. Yeah. Except it says like level 2 one ability. has a conditional. Yeah, it just so only it happens do once. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool and, it, and also it's at like
2: sorcery speed once again. Sorcery yeah. speed. Sorcery yeah. speed.
0: And also it's 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 leveling up. Warlocks level up. That's the whole thing about you pick a class in Dungeon Dragons uh, and then you level up in that class and as you level up you get more powerful. So this is like perfect flavor win. I love it. <laughs> but, All right, my anyway, subclass. Subclass. Well, maybe we'll have a subclass <laughs> enchantment soon.
3: <laughs> We're going to need the return to forgotten
0: realms to, to yeah. get that. They're saving they have to save something for the return. All right, moving on. We so whenever you go on an adventure in Dungeons and Dragons, that's kind of like the main thing. You form a party of characters, and then you go on an adventure, and whenever you go on an adventure, it's it's not like a video game where there's only one or two set paths. It's all about, you know, figuring out the situation yourselves. It's very open-ended on how you want to handle a situation that has unfolded in front of you, and those are personified by cards like you find prisoners. So tell us about it. Richard.
3: All right, one in a red, so two mana value at instant, uh, you get two options, break their chains, destroy target artifact, or interrogate them, exile the top three cards of your target opponent's library, choose one of them until the end of your next turn, you may play that card, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. So not only are you interrogating them, you're stealing their secrets, uh, you can cast <laughs> the spell. Again, it synergizes with your commander, um, and it gives you the flexibility to destroy
2: artifacts if you really want, but most of the time you're probably interrogating people <laughs> this is amazing right like you have so much versatility here in that you get to either blow up an artifact which is very popular in commander or get to choose a card right like you draw all card why not
1: yeah I mean, I, I think it's a really cool card. I love how it's kind of a reverse anticipate, like a red anticipate. You got to do it from your opponent's deck, but yeah. you you still get the, the same effect. And there are a lot of powerful artifacts. So I think, as Richard said, I would play it as like card draw mostly, but then know that I had it in my back pocket if there's a busted artifact that I need to deal with.
0: Yeah, I really like this. This is really flexible. Like, I, I, the, the fact that it's instant speed really makes it for me. Because you can basically, like, you hold this up, maybe you hold some other instant spell up. Then you can choose by that that end of the turn cycle, is there any artifact that I want to blow up? No. Then I'm going to end step before my turn, uh, interrogate somebody, get that value on my turn, you know? Like, I really like the flexibility here. It's not, like, mind-blowing, but the flexibility is really nice. So uh, I I expect to, to try it out at the very least. It looks sweet. All right, moving on. So we we t- we, t- we showed Wild Magic Sorcerer as another card before. This is kind of the same thing. I think it is also a Wild Magic Sorcerer. This one's called Chaos Channeler. Um, so Richard... Oh, no, me. So me, tell us about it, me. All right, me. This is Chaos Channeler. This is a four-mana Human Shaman, four, three, two, and double red to cast. And it has Wild Magic Surge, which is a thing that Wild Magic Sorcerers have, so I was right. Uh, usually, whenever you're casting a spell uh, as, as, a, as a Wild Magic Sorcerer, uh, every once in a while, if you roll on a d20, something magical and wild will happen, and you will randomly cast some sort of effect on top of your spell. And this is showcased with this ability. It's whenever Wild Chaos, chaos Channeler attacks, you roll a d20, a 20-sided die, One to nine, you exile the top card of your library, you may play it this turn. 10 to 19, you exile the top two cards of your library, you can play them this turn. And then if you roll a 20, which is a five percent chance, uh, exile the top three cards of your library, you may play them this turn. So every single time you're attacking, you're going to be impulse drawing one to three cards every single attack step, and that's actually kind of insane like uh you're you have uh, usually are you're going to be getting one card sometimes two cards that's half and half chance basically or i mean three cards if you have a five percent chance um that's pretty that's pretty good i mean the hard part is going to be attacking with this creature and having it survive but if you have some ways of getting like evasion um then this is gonna uh, some pretty good card advantage
1: yeah, I mean drawing multiple cards every turn does seem pretty powerful. I think there's I guess some ways to force things through. Our backup commander can like tap down a blocker, but there isn't like a ton of ways in the deck to give it evasion, but it's commander, so you can try to attack whoever doesn't have the blocker and make it work that way, but it is a powerful effect if it sits out on the battlefield. It's just a, it's a little a little slow, but it does have some synergy. All right, I hate to be that guy. But ebony fly <laughs> that gives it flying. Oh, the synergy! Oh, right.
3: What 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 Broken. are the actual themes of your deck? Goading, right? You goad your opponent's creatures as well, right? Like there are cards like disrupt Decorum, which goad all creatures on the battlefield, so they all swing out, and you're like, haha, run in, hit him with the d twenty, get three cards, right? So we do actually. I have some synergy here. We have the goad synergy. We're also Rakdos for mono removal. There's a lot yeah, of removal yeah. in the deck. Just remove the blocker. <laughs> Right, and if you really want to send a message, use the ebony fly. Right, <laughs> fly in, pop in there, draw some cards.
2: Are we right? a so combo I, deck?
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I this really
0: I think this will connect. This and we make connect. a treasure token with Prosper if we actually do cast a spell from exile. A bit. It's-
3: you could draw so many cards because you exile three if you play them with your commander out. You just uh, you can you just go off, right?
0: Yeah.
2: This we're popping definitely... off the fly is revving up <laughs> this deck is definitely you not have...
3: lacking it fuels your next fly around. activation you, okay. have to,
1: you have to... there's so many die rolls to make. you gotta roll a good number <laughs> yeah. to make your fly not die in combat then you gotta roll a good number in chaos
2: what do you mean Still? not die in flies
1: what's blocking uh, there it? there's other flyers there's other flyers in what? magic Homer, oh, well, that is not the first one no, have ebony fly then you're
0: in trouble right like the only, the only way to stop an Ebony Fly is to have your own Ebony
1: Fly. This is what we've learned. <laughs> new, new Commander meta. We're entering the Ebony Fly meta. <laughs> Nerf Ebony Fly.
3: But, but this card's got to be good, right? No? Would, you, yeah. would you take it and put it in your other Commander decks? Only well, if it has Evasion. No. I, mean,
1: it I don't have think there's any default. No, no. Like, if I have a, a deck with evasion. evasion. I would be happy to play it in this deck because they are synergies like Prosper for it and cares about playing stuff from Exile. But I kind of feel like, unless I have stuff like Prosper, there's probably easier and better and less convoluted ways for me to draw cards.
0: But what if you really but, like but rolling the d20 dice? critical hit, man? Yeah, <laughs> you believe
1: the luck in the dice. That's
0: it. You have to.
1: And I know my luck is very bad, so I will only be drawing one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, so that wraps up all the new cards in this precon. And just to to recap really quickly. Uh, we have 14 cards that are exclusive to this pre-constructed deck planner portal. There are three additional cards uh, that are exclusive to the commander sets or the commander decks uh, in Adventures in Forgotten Realms. And then we have three cards that are you can find also in the standard set of Adventures of Forgotten Realms. And then finally, the rest of the deck, 80 cards are reprints. So now that we've covered uh, the new cards, uh, we're going to quickly go over the most notable reprints available to us. Um, and they're going to be popping up on the screen right now. Bada boom, bada bing, boom, bump, up, bop. bop, bop some really good ones uh, a lot of the ramp is actually really notable here some some nice reprints talisman of indulgence uh currently uh, pushing seven dollars it's six six point five dollars right now uh fell stone everybody loves fell stone it's a commander staple also over five dollars at this point very nice to see a reprint here tainted peak is a card The entire titan cycle is fantastic whenever you have a swamp on the battlefield uh, this this land enters the battlefield untapped and can tap for both black and red, so it's fantastic budget fixing. I was pushing four dollars though, so you got you got it here. Vandal blast five bucks, uh, but one card though that kind of uh, shocked me disrupted the We mentioned it, uh, Richard. You mentioned it before. It basically goads all opposing creatures uh, to to kill each other. It's never been reprinted before, and it's seventeen dollars right now, so that's going to take a good hit.
1: That's so crazy because I don't think I've ever seen that card cast a single time. I was shocked when I saw it was worth $17.
2: <laughs> I played in my goading deck, so. Makes sense. <laughs>
1: yeah. But I can't, I
2: can't believe it was seven. it's $17 now or at the time of
1: this. The mana rocks are, are huge because those are cards that even if you ended up upgrading this deck or changing it, those are legitimate commander staples that are going to go in all kinds of different decks and you're going to be really happy to have in your collection Four, mm-hmm. six dollars
0: yeah and also a lot we yeah. talked about there was like a token sacrifice theme you don't really see them in the in the new cards that we just talked about you can find them mostly in the reprints um so like piper of the swarm chittering witch witch and ogre sun lord these all make rat tokens and the chittering witch sacrifices any creature to, you know, remove small creatures. Some Lord makes creatures when stuff dies, and Piper the Swarm can actually take uh, your rat token, sacrifice them, and uh, steal opposing creatures. Very, very nice. Um, And Marionette Master is also one of the biggest finishers in the deck as well. Uh, Whenever an artifact dies, uh, you drain your opponents, and we're all about making treasure tokens, so that is some nice synergy. Uh, So, some nice reprints here. then we're going to just finally to wrap things up uh, just a quick analysis of the precon itself like how well built is it so the way i i uh, kind of analyze uh commander decks especially ones on a budget um i i kind of use a checklist to see uh how well built the deck is if there's anything particularly lacking in the deck and the way i do it is i i look for 50 mana lanes and ramp usually a 37 13 split Uh, 10 card draw, cards that need two or more cards in hand. Eight targeted removal, split between creature, artifact, enchantment removal, and I also count counter magic here. Uh, and three board wipes. Creature light decks might want one more, while creature heavy decks might want one less. Uh, two graveyard recursion spells, two flexible tutors. Uh, but at higher budgets, you know, run a couple more tutors for more consistency. One graveyard hate to creep graveyard decks honest, and then at least one finisher, something that can win the game without too much setup. And looking at this pre-constructed deck, of the Planar Portal, I counted fifty-one mana, thirty-nine lands, and twelve ramp. And uh, the ramp is really good here—very low-cost ramp, like the Arcane Signet, the Soul Ring, the Felwar Stone. Really, really good, impressive ramp. One of the best I've ever seen. Twelve. And the fly. Removal. And the, the fly. Don't, is a don't forget drop. the fly. We the fly yeah, no, can't no, forget, forget the, not the fly. That's, not <laughs> <your finishers. laughs> that's the finishers. That's the con right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't count it there, but you're—you're—you're you're, you're selling me on it now. <laughs> uh there's 12 targeted removal some really good ones here some that are kind of expensive but you know a good mix four board wipes uh you know reckless endeavor can sometimes board wipe at least uh one graveyard hate the Rakdos charm love it there's 19 i counted 19 card draw uh engines in this deck some are slow some are incremental like prosper tone bound Some are a little bit faster, like light up the stage or ignite the future. So there's a really good mix here. It leans more on incremental card draw, but when you have multiple card draw engines, it seems like this deck is really well-suited to go a long game where you're just constantly getting value out of it. And then there's like 3-ish recursion spells. Uh, Dire Fleet Daredevil is a chemist. No tutors, but that's normal for a pre-constructed deck. You don't want to give new players a deck that they've never played before and say, go search your library for (laughs) cards. That's not good. And then finally, we have finishers. I I counted Marionette Master as a big one, especially if Prosper is your commander. And there's a ton of theft effects. Uh, There's stealing your opponent's... Uh, cards and making them uh, kill each other with it, or use goat effects like Kazakar or Disrupt Decorum to make them kill each other with the creatures they have on the battlefield. I think overall, really good stuff here. I, I'm really impressed by it. All right, so we covered the precon, we went over the cards, we told you why you should like it, um, and that should be pretty much it. Uh, what do you, what do you all think? What what what's your closing thoughts on on this pre-constructed deck? And and what are, what would be something that you would consider upgrading? Is there, an, is there anything that pops Ooh. up in your head? I I think the so, first
2: thing that pops up is is uh, a Valky, actually. But mm-hmm. that's cuz you're in Rakdos so you got to play Tybalt, Right? Cuz he's a tiefling. You got to play all, I mean, flavor wise, I think you got to just play all the Tibaults. Yeah. (laughs) You got to throw as many of those as you can in there. Functionality wise, don't put them all in there. Just play only (laughs) Valkyrie or something like that. Um, There's also, uh, oh man, there's a few things actually. Holy cow. I mean, I I think there's the obvious ones, right? Like, you know, light up the stage if that isn't already in here. Uh,
0: It's it's in there. We have it in the documents. Oh, wow. I made a
1: list. <laughs> a long, I, it was okay, a leading question. We're gonna skip, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna skip uh, that one. <laughs> I really, I really like this deck. The deck is maybe the most random feeling and ractos feeling commander deck that we've ever seen. There's just so many crazy things that can happen with the deck. I will say the part of the deck I dislike is. I really hate the rats <laughs> the rat token theme. <laughs> There's only three cards. It's gonna be really inconsistent. I kinda get what they're going for, that you can like sacrifice them for value. But my advice would be to take that out and like focus more on the main theme, especially if you're building around Prosper. There's really good cards like Stolen Strategy, Jessica's Will, that are great sources of card advantage that let you play things from exile that seem like really, really good upgrades. So that would be my first steps, is try to take out the the rat token sub theme. I I don't know throw them in your your binder and build a rat deck eventually or something and add in some more exile based prosper cards
3: so i really like the flexibility of the deck uh we talked about a lot of synergies but they're pretty loose synergies like i don't think you even need your commander for this to work uh like yeah. light up the stage is just a good card commune with lava is just a good card atali like yes they get a bonus with your commander out but these exile uh card draw like they're just good And because you have a lot of little sub-themes going on, you can change your deck to suit that. Like maybe you really like rat tokens. So you can go all in on the rat token theme. Or maybe you really like stealing people's stuff. You go all in on that. Or you just like drawing cards, right? You just draw more cards. (laughs) Uh, The the flexibility of the deck lets you do this without losing too much. It's not like other pre-cons where like if your commander's not on the battlefield, you're having a rough time. This one is like a nice bonus. Uh, I would say this is kind of like a good stuff deck. Like you just have good cards across multiple strategies, and there is some synergy there. But if your synergy doesn't come together, it doesn't all fall apart, right? Like you, there's still good cards, so you can just go with that.
0: Yeah, I mean,
2: it- you can do the goad strategy because there's tons of stuff in red that you could go to away with.
0: Yep yeah, I, I definitely agree. It, it really feels like it, it has some synergies. The commanders do bring something to the table, but it's not all in on them and it's not using it's not it's not using the commander to make good uh, bad cards good. It's just a commander that happens to synergize with good cards that have been collected here. <laughs> um, so you could definitely you could definitely make it a little bit more powerful by maybe cutting, you know some of the, the rats, maybe some of the dice rolling things, but it really depends on what you want out of this deck and if you really like dice rolling then you could go ham on that as well too and if you're interested on how to power up this deck if you like this pre-constructed deck you want to pick it up but you want to make a couple swaps to make it a little bit more competitive a little bit more higher power for your play group well good news friends Coming very soon, the next day even, uh, we're going to have a pre-con upgrade video and article made by me. I'm going to show you how to upgrade this deck with a budget of $20, and I'm going to show you with basically about 10 swamps how to take this deck Optimize it to make it uh, more powerful and and more uh, viable at at higher level tables so very powerful very strong and good deck right out the box But if you are interested in a pre-con upgrade that will be coming out very soon. So that's it for uh, our upgrade or our pre-con So that's it for our pre-con video. Thank you so much Wizards of the Coast for letting us showcase this free preview it was a ton of fun to go over it i'm gushing about all the lore about it and the mechanics it's really sweet and i can't wait to get my hands on these cards so that's it for uh the podcast everybody hope you enjoyed thank you so much for sticking to the very end and if you want to see high-res video or high-res uh images of all these cards including the deck list we'll have all of that in the video description below so until next time friends see ya